Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to the next in a series of Journal Star Editorial Board podcasts with candidates for the at-large Peoria City Council seat. I'm Chris Kerrigard, Journal Star Associate Editor, joined by Dennis Anderson, Journal Star Executive Editor. Good afternoon. And our candidate today is Dr. Rita Ali, uh, who is joining us on a very special day. Thank you for coming in on your birthday to meet with well, us. Well, thank you very much. Feel free to call me Rita, please. All right. Thanks. Uh, Rita, you, you ran two years ago for the 5th District City Council seat with a result that showed Peoria literally every vote counts. Absolutely. Uh, there was one ballot that separated you from your opponent in that race. Yes. Uh, why are you taking a second run and doing it at large this time? Great question. I was very committed uh, to the process last time, and I'm mm-hmm. even more committed now. Actually, I've been seeking for about three years to, to mm-hmm. serve on Peoria City Council. At one time, I was considered for an appointed mm-hmm. seat, so I was uh, one of the high candidates. But then when that didn't happen, I decided to run. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been working, uh, trying to address the needs of the city for a long time, mostly outside of city council, working mm-hmm. on city commissions, working with neighborhood groups, uh, working with as a volunteer for various organizations, and then working uh, for, within education and training for mm-hmm. a long, long time within the city. So there's a song in the... Um, in the play Hamilton that says, I want to be in the room where it happens. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm ready for that next step to be at the seat where the key decisions are being made for Peoria. Uh, I think I bring a lot to the table in terms of outcomes, in terms of making a difference for the city, and I think I want to be in the room where it happens to have that voice Mm -hmm. in terms of having greater impact for the city of Peoria. How has your message changed in the past two years as a candidate? Right. So it hasn't changed significantly in terms of my platform, although it's broader. Uh, It's not just focusing on the 5th District needs. uh, It's focusing on the needs for the whole city. And so it's it's a broader message. Um, I've added to my platform, I've added diversity, which um, I bring a lot of professional skills and expertise in that area that I think will actually be helpful at a time um, in these times in terms of helping the city to develop issues of diversity. Uh, So I I think it's a broader message, but it's a very similar message as before, Dennis. Mm -hmm. You've you've chaired the advisory committee on on police community relations for the last several years. Talk to us a little bit about what you view as the largest accomplishments that that the committee as a whole have had and and yourself leading it, and where you think there might be able to be some improvement there. We've sought to build bridges between the citizens and the police and to build those relationships, to have more relationships. We've been great supporters of the resident officer program. 
Uh, we know that we need more diversity on mm -hmm. our police force. We've tried to make the city more aware of the committee itself and who the committee members are. We've went out to every zip code and we've held these town meetings within every zip code within the city. We've invited people to come out so that we can listen. So we need to engage the city. We know that there's been you know, a record number of homicides last year. Well, we also know that that's a symptom of a problem, but it's not the problem. Uh, we think that we need stronger neighborhoods. We need more people involved, engaged, and the burden shouldn't just be on the police to address the problems. The citizens actually have to take responsibility for some of what's happening in terms of crime within their neighborhood, including the homicides. Mm -hmm. uh, one thought that I've had is the use of technology. Uh, people have security systems uh, that may have some type of surveillance camera. Uh, we could help within areas that have high crime, perhaps bring in some external resources that can help people get technology on their homes that may be able to film some of what's happening on the outside. People are afraid to step up and say, I saw something because of retaliation. And so we have all these unsolved murders that are taking place. But I think if we have the use of more technology, we build stronger neighborhoods, and then we work to address issues of skill shortages, lack of education, and some of those other root causes that lead to more crime in the city. Do you have an, sorry, no. do you have an example of something that, that the commission has done or communication that they've had that has really made a difference? Well, I think one thing that we've uh, done is to try to improve the complaint process. Uh, when there are issues uh, where a citizen is complaining about service or, or some problem that they see between police and the community, mm. oftentimes um, they don't complain about it. They don't take their complaint and fill out a form to the police station. Sometimes there's barriers to actually doing that. So we've worked to try to improve that process. And part of that process says if, if there is an investigation, if you do complain and you're not satisfied with the results, then you can bring your complaint to that commission. The commission itself doesn't have a lot of authority in terms of making uh, change, but it does have some influence. And, you know, we're working with the police chief who is at almost every meeting uh, to try to um, try to improve the process and to remove the barriers in addressing complaints. One of those that I recently became aware of is, is that you have to have your complaint notarized before you can file it, which adds in perhaps a layer of, of bureaucracy or, or that people who are on a tight timetable are filing a complaint when they've got to get to work, take the kids to school, whatever, may not have the ability to go and find themselves in notary public. Is that something we should look it, at, at removing? Absolutely. It should not be there. It, it, it was not always the case. Uh, we recently discovered that the form had been changed, and we're not sure when it got changed. We don't need those kind of barriers. And we supported the CALEA process that makes police forces stronger. Um, it's a process, it's a methodology of process improvement. It engaged citizens. Um, we, I was interviewed by one of the police chiefs who was part of that assessment, and he indicated, one, that uh, his police force loves body cams. So we supported body cams for police officers because we, we know it makes police officers and citizens more accountable. So we also, I also brought up to that individual that uh, we see that as a barrier that someone has to get a notarized form. Well, Chief Marion said 
they can bring it in. They will accept it without being notarized. So we'll, at our next meeting, we will discuss that issue. We don't need those kind of barriers. We would like a submit form mm-hmm. online to where they don't have to download it. We would like to pe- for people to, for it to be an easy process. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Uh, I, I want to go into your questionnaire for a couple of moments on, on things that we talked about in there. Uh, obviously, some of the key issues we've identified are our business development and residential development in some of the underinvested areas of the city. And mm-hmm. you describe uh, one of your, your plans for that, uh, uh, particularly in, in South Peoria, tapping into what you call the South Side alumni for that. Uh, talk about the group that you want to identify there. And yes. uh, tell me a little bit more about uh, why you're identifying MacArthur Highway as the corridor that you want to work with first. Absolutely. Uh, I'm glad that that stood out to you, the Southside alumni. Mm-hmm. I, I've i lived in the north part of Peoria for the last 20 years, but I grew up on the south side, and many of my family members still live there. Well, when we moved to Peoria, it was a thriving city mm-hmm. in terms of business, job opportunities. My father got hired at Caterpillar. Uh, there was no crime like it is today, and the neighborhoods were very integrated. Mm-hmm. The schools were on the south side were very integrated. Lee School, Roosevelt School, Tree Wynn, and Manuel. I went to all of those. Um, and so there are many south side alumni that live all over the city of Peoria. Some of them are very wealthy. There are many south side alumni that live outside of our state. Mm-hmm. They live outside of our city. They live all over the, the nation and sometimes all over the world. Many of those people, even though they don't live on the South Side anymore, they have memories of growing up in South Peoria, very fond memories. And I do believe that those people still care about the South Side of Peoria. There may be a disconnect, but I think we have to find another way to bring them back with opportunities that they can invest in making South Peoria a stronger community. And and I'm not talking about just investing in terms of their time or their hopes or wishes. Mm-hmm talking about financial investment, injecting uh, capital uh, and capital-type projects into the south side of Peoria. Mm-hmm. And, and why MacArthur Highway for, for that? First? Well, I think MacArthur can be a great start because of its close proximity to downtown and the warehouse district. Um, it's not so deep into the south side that people may be scared to invest. Um, safety is a big issue for people in terms of making investments, um, actually coming to South Peoria, they fear crime, uh, whether, you know, they're, they, you know, whether their fears are real or perceived, they exist. Mm-hmm. And so I think with MacArthur Arthur Highway's pro- close proximity and the fact that there's a lot of city property mm-hmm. on MacArthur mm-hmm. Highway, okay. that we could begin some projects there. Mm-hmm. It establish a beachhead and then expand out from there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Um, it, another one of the things that, that you were advocating for is an Amtrak connection between Peoria and Bloomington, Peoria and Galesburg. How would you push for that, given, I mean, we, we tried a couple of years ago when, when we had a Peorian who was Secretary of Transportation, and at, at that point, even with, with, with a man up top there uh, who, who could have cleared some barriers, we weren't able to get anything going. How do we do right. that and break a logjam now? Yeah, timing is everything, and I haven't given up on Senator LaHood's help mm-hmm. in that. Um, there's been some progress made in Rockford by uh, Representative Sherry Bustos in terms mm-hmm. of railway that we'll see 
uh, Amtrak in Rockford, but we've got people driving all the way to Bloomington. They drive to mm-hmm. Galesburg. They I'm drive to Friday. yeah, mm-hmm. much smaller cities. We are also they drive to Macomb. Mm-hmm. We are also a college town. College students look for that transportation. Mm-hmm. Young people need that connection between St. Louis and Chicago and other larger cities. We shouldn't have to drive somewhere else to to access that. I think that that that's an area where a TIF might be useful because TIFs can be useful in helping uh, rail happen in various cities. So um, I think we need to make it happen. We're talking about 40-mile track between Peoria and Galesburg, 40 miles of track between Peoria and Bloomington, and I think it will help with our growth because transportation is key to uh, attracting, you know, it's a key feature. Is there any of that infrastructure already in place? Is there a track, or is that how it has to be all new track? Yeah, I honestly can't answer that fully. I don't think it's fully in place, but I don't know that it all has to be new. Uh, It's been a long time, you know, since we've had passenger rail Mm -hmm. in Peoria. So um, I don't know whether any of the railway that's used, you know, for other purposes, uh, for, you know, just other transports can be used for the railway and just kind of um, rerouted. Okay. But I'd love to see it happen. I think it will actually help with business. And because Peoria, I think, can connect economically to Chicago. You know, we always think of, you know, Chicago as the bad guy. But I think that we can make Chicago work for us for business in terms of connecting with the information technology industries there, with healthcare industries there. There are key industries that I think we can connect with. And railway will help us to do that, both Chicago and St. Louis. Uh, one of the other things that, that you bring up uh, in uh, in your questionnaire as we talk about the 24-7 Wall Street survey and, of course, the governing magazine pieces that have come out since then uh, – is the need for credentials and training to help more people have have access to jobs, and, and you'd like to see the city focus more work on that. And I, I guess i got to ask you, to the extent that, that we've had workforce development programs funded through the city uh, and the region as a whole, and to the extent that we've had Peoria Promise to help steer people toward programs, including at ICC, mm-hmm. to help them, them get these, these credentials, what hasn't been working so far there that we need to improve on? We've got to be more connected. Uh, we have to have a comprehensive strategy to address inequities within our city. And it's, you know, it's been done in other uh, municipalities within mm-hmm. the nation, and I'd like to give you an example. Uh, there is a county uh, in the state of Washington called King County. Mm-hmm. It's one of the richest counties in the nation. Well, King County um, decided as a municipality that they had deep and persistent inequities within certain zip codes within their area. So they examined 10 zip codes, 10 of their poorest zip codes, and 10 of their wealthiest. They found an income disparity of over $100,000. They found a uh, health uh, life expectancy disparity of over 12 years, and that's comparing mm-hmm. African-American men with others. Mm-hmm. Um, and so race and place were connected to those inequities. So they decided they were going to address them in a very intentional way, and they put together a strategic plan for addressing inequity. And when I say equity, mm-hmm. um, I mean 
uh, providing opportunities, equal um, equal opportunities and full opportunities, as well as power, as as well as resources to all people to uh, for so that everybody can reach mm-hmm. their full potential. And so they did it very strategically. They've been doing this for 10 years now. Since 2008, they have results. They have measurable results. It can be a template for Peoria. And I I would hope, and that's one thing that I would bring to the city council, is that model. Let's take a look at it. They engaged the the employees. They brought together 100 institutions within their region to help address the issues. They had specific measurable goals, and they've made they've made progress mm-hmm. and outstanding outcomes. How, how did they get the haves to buy into that? Because that that's been one of our difficulties here. And, and you've listened to some of the previous podcasts and and convincing somebody in a neighborhood that that does not immediately appear to be affected by this thing that we know our whole city is affected by. How do you convince those people and and buy them in and and get their representatives on the council to buy in and and the businesses in those areas to buy in to the need to improve this equity? It started with the leadership. Uh, There was uh, one leader that stepped forward. I think it was the county executive and eventually another county executive took that uh, position. But it was, a, it was an opportunity to educate their community that uh, what affected one part of the city ultimately affected the, the whole. Mm-hmm. And that uh, prosperity, lack of prosperity in, in one area actually affected the prosperity of another area. And so they really educated their community, and they were already an educated community. But they educated their community on how to be strong as a whole, and they got commitments, leadership, transparency, accountability was all built into their plan. That sounds like something that could work here in Peoria. It, I think it could, Dennis. Um, I, it, with the Wall Street 24-7, we've heard for the past three, four, five years, the response to that, now the governing report, mm-hmm. is that the, they, the questioning from the city leaders on the methodology – now, there's methodology, yes, but there's also things that we've reported on the city of disparity issue. Yes. And what we see. Right. What we see. Yes. We live here, too. Yes, we, I know. Wh- where are you on that? So, first of all, I want to thank you for that study, that year-long study that you did on disparities within uh, Peoria in terms of race and place. Uh, I think that was very educational for people. I think what has happened with uh, 24-7 Wall Street and, and now with the governing uh, magazine is that there's still that sense of denial that that data, we're not owning the data. And I would surmise that if we just looked at the city of Peoria data, that it could be even worse mm-hmm. than what's been presented by, you know, the regional data mm-hmm. or the metro data. Uh, but, and I've asked, well, let's look at the city data. And nobody's really producing the city data. Mm-hmm. So I think, one, let's, let's take a look. Let's get the city data and let's compare it to, you know, uh, those other sources. We cannot say that we're accepting from 24-7 Wall Street that we're the 25th most innovative city in the nation, or one of 25, mm-hmm. and then deny that we're one of the worst in terms of disparities for African Americans uh, within our city. So we have to accept, 
and then we have to begin to uh, put together a strategy for addressing the problem. We're not moving. You know, NRN, like you say, had that study. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of money spent. There was a lot of talk about collective impact, but there was no collective impact. So I honestly believe that the intentions were good. I, I do believe the intentions were good, but I, I think that people and our leadership has not known how to deal with the problem. And again, I say, we're not the only ones who have experienced the same problems. There's a template out there, and there's a community in on the other side of the map that wants to teach other communities how they did it and what they're doing and how they're making progress in this with the same exact problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, pension costs in, in the city are, are projected to roll upward another $80 million in, in the coming decade. Uh, and you know, as you know, as a property owner in Peoria, we've got this new uh, public safety pension fee in addition to yes. the fee that we've got for uh, stormwater management. Uh, how do we address the the need to be adding on these additional fees and and where would you find the money alternately if, if we're going to try to try to remove those? Sure. So first, I mean, I I would like to put a moratorium on increasing property taxes. I think we have to stop. I believe that we're running people out of Peoria. Uh, we're, they're moving across the river, they're moving to Morton, East Peoria, they're moving to Washington, Illinois, and they're moving out of state, some of them. So we're experiencing populate, population loss mm-hmm. like never before, and increasing property taxes is part of that. So we have to stop that, and we have to find other ways. Okay, so we find out in a short you know, time to close the budget that we've got a $6 million gap. Uh, We've got to be more proactive in terms of projecting what our shortfalls are so that we can adequately address them and try to generate income. We're always looking at cuts and cuts and cuts. And I know we have to be lean and mean. And actually, I think we are pretty lean and we're starting to get down to basic services. Mm -hmm. We can't continue to cut, cut and still fulfill the needs of our community. But I think we can be proactive in terms of bringing all the key stakeholders together all the the many organizations that we have, help them to develop our plan, engage the brain trust of our institutions and of our individuals to help develop a plan. And I believe if we together develop a plan for improvement, that we together will invest in that plan. I was at Bradley when Bradley had a $100 million uh, capital campaign. And $100 million, people were like, are you crazy? And I was one of those people. But uh, the investment was made. Uh, the, I think Caterpillar put up the first $10 million, and mm-hmm. then the other $90 million came. And I was shocked that our community, an institution here, raised that much money. I honestly believe that people invested in the plan will put together um, resources to address the short, you know, address the 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 gap that we have, the short-term gap, and then to uh, position our city for economic growth. What is your message to a potential business that wants to move here, bring, bring in 50 jobs? What's your message to them? 
I want to be able to say that we have a strong, skilled workforce because, to me, that's the best incentive that we can have to draw mm -hmm. businesses to our area. I think we have to invest in education. We have to ed uh, address the skill shortages, and we have to say within these industries, we have a talent pool that you can tap into for your business, and uh, we we are a great city. I, I grew up here. Uh, tr you know, you, it doesn't take long for you to get to work. Our greatest asset in Peoria is our human asset. It's our people. And we need to appreciate our people. We have the, the kindest people. We have, uh, the, we have great talent. And I think that we have to, to do more to invest in our people and actually um, develop them so that we can draw population as well as businesses. I inferred what I think was some implied criticism uh, when, when we were talking about the, the pension question oh, okay. of, of, of the way the city handles it, its budgeting process. Do, okay. do you think we take too long in a year to get to the budgets? And I, I ask because I'm used to covering county board as much as the city and the county county board members receive monthly updates yes. during meetings about where they stand this year to date versus last year to yes. date and the trend lines on some of their their budget items is, is that something that that council members should be asking more on so we don't get to these end of year hey it's september we got to find six million dollars in the next three months or we're all out of a job that's my point exactly mm -hmm. i think that we have to be more proactive rather than <coughs> reactive relative to budget situations we should be able to project what our shortfalls are going to be a year from now and maybe even two years from now mm -hmm. but we need a dashboard we need to see how we're doing you know along the way so that we're not hit at the last minute and then we have to react you know with a knee jerk uh, solution. So we need to be proactive. We need to we need to be transparent. Mm -hmm. We need to have more accountability, um, and we just have to. Uh, I, I think we have to invest upstream. Mm -hmm. We have to address those uh, issues that are holding us down, uh, that are affecting us in terms of our image, that are affecting us in terms of our our people and our communities. Uh, again, South Side and and North. Near Northside and East Bluff, they're declining communities. They're becoming more impoverished. If we don't begin to really address those problems, they're going to get worse. Mm -hmm. it, you mentioned in, in your questionnaire, too, the, the work that's being done in, in the Near North Side to help revitalize that. What, what can the city do to piggyback on what, what not-for-profits and, and other institutions are working on doing there. Yeah, I think the city can be helpful, just be a partner in terms of working with neighborhood organizations mm -hmm. to allow them opportunities to tap into external resources. You know, I've been in the grant business for many, many years, probably I'm not going to tell my age, but uh, probably over 30 years I've been developing grants uh, grant resource, external grant resources, whether they're federal, state, or even private sector, um, brought over $20 million to our city for various programs, whether they're education or job training type programs, and some of them are community de development. There's money, there's money out there uh, that we can tap into to bring into neighborhood organizations to help them deal with crime, I think to help them to be stronger, to help them to deal with affordable housing mm -hmm. issues. Uh, there's a lot of vacant lots, again, in, on the north side as well as the south side that can be developed. Mm -hmm. And I think that we do have to 
find ways to inject capital into those areas. Mm-hmm. Right, and and you mentioned the vacant lots. That's that's a huge drain on on city coffers, school district coffers, yes. because when the city owns them, they are not not property tax producing lots. Yes. What can we do to to encourage that that individual developer investment there and and do it in a responsible way? It, it seems to me right now that the problem is the that the only people who are clamoring to to pick up some of those lots are, are people who may not be responsible landlords who are going to turn the right. property over productively. Right. And I used to deal with, you know, slum landlord mm-hmm. issues when I worked for Northside Action Council many years ago. But I think that we can uh, present op- an opportunity for people to have projects. And they can present their projects to the city and say, this is what I want to do with this property. Give it to me or sell it to me for a dollar. Mm-hmm. And this is what I'm... And, and the city can have a, a committee or a commission that can look at those projects. It can... Staff, city staff should be involved. Will these projects be, do they have a hope for being successful? Do they have a hope for bringing, uh, increasing our tax base? Mm-hmm. If so, let's give them a try. I think that can happen all over the city. Mm-hmm. Your most important number, as you know, if you're elected to the council, is six. How do you work with council members who, who may not agree with any of your philosophies on, on these approaches and, and turn them around and, and get them to vote your way? Yeah. So... That happens, I think, in business all the time. I've been involved in executive leadership within the last three organizations that I've worked for. So you don't always get your way. Sometimes you have to compromise, and sometimes you have to influence. I'm a connector. Um, I think I am good at building relationships with people. It takes a while for people to get to know you and to trust you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so should I be elected, I would need to build stronger relationships with my colleagues. Um, I would need to uh, be able to uh, sell my ideals to them. I would need to uh, understand our common ground. And that's where I think um, you can leverage um, support for your ideals is to find common ground. Uh, where can I support, you know, your ideals, and and where where do we agree? Mm-hmm. I think that's where, where it starts. Where do we agree, and and where do we go from here? So I think I can be influential. I think I can be a good partner um, and a good collaborator. All right, uh, you've uh, you've also got if you're elected one employee on the council who reports to you. What's your assessment of how Patrick Urich is, has been doing as city manager? Yeah, I think um, I think he needs some help. And, you know, I think he needs um, some guidance and some assistance in his work. I think he's uh, made a strong effort in terms of trying to solve some really difficult problems for the city. Uh, but I think we too often work in silos and that uh, we need to reach out to our uh, other partners, uh, to our brain trust again, other institutions, other stakeholders, and and ask for their help and their engagement. And so that's what I would like to see more happen uh, from city leadership in terms of staff is for them to be more engaging with their own employees as well as with other key stakeholders because I think it will go a, a lot further in terms of, you know, breaking down those barriers and moving Peoria forward. Who's in his silo? Well, uh, I think it his silo is probably uh, some of the cabinet 
uh, some of his cabinet, which would probably be department heads. Mm -hmm. um, you know, his guidance, of course, comes from the council. Mm -hmm. But I, I think it doesn't go a whole lot further than, than the, you know, he and the department heads. I would like to see it stretch further than that. One of the criticisms that, that I understand from, from sources I've talked to on some of his past performance reviews it has been concern that that he may have more of a perception that, that he is the mayor's employee more than he is the council's employee. Do, okay. do you have a concern with, with that, that, uh, that, that he perhaps listens to one of the 11 more than... than all 11 equally? I would be concerned about that because uh, I believe that he is the employee of the council. And, you know, there's, counting the mayor, there's 11. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I don't think that works well. So, you know, I, I, would, I would say, I, I don't know whether that's true or not. Mm -hmm. um, I actually have not heard that. I've heard, you know, things. <laughs> but, you know, again, I, I think that... Um, he ha we have to hold him accountable. I would like to see a dashboard for results, um, for goals uh, that we're addressing, and uh, I would like to see more uh, transparency. One of the things uh, that we talked about uh, two years ago and that you alluded to in your questionnaire this time also is the city working to, to reduce some of its its costs by using shared services or, or finding areas that it, it can can work with other other units of, of government to reduce costs on things that they similarly do. Right. Peoria City and County had a, a program, a, a committee set up that worked on that, uh, that, that had talked when it, mm -hmm. it last met about trying to include other units of government in those meetings, the, mm -hmm. the schools, the park district, mm -hmm. uh, perhaps even, even ICC mm -hmm. or, or the townships into mm -hmm. that. That committee, as near as I can tell, has not met in the last two years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> would, would you be an advocate for, for restoring and, and enhancing that? I would like to see more uh, cooperation, more connectivity to other units of government. I think that there could be more uh, opportunities to collaborate in terms of use of staffing. And um, so, yes, I'd like to see that. And again, you get so busy with other things that, you know, you lose some other priorities. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a matter of priority. And I believe that engage that collaboration should be a priority. And engaging other key stakeholders should be a priority. So we have to build systems for that because it's very difficult for one person to do it all. So you have to figure out how to build a system to, you know, to operationalize it. Mm -hmm. I, one other thing, because I, I know that, that you are close friends with the school superintendent and, and that you've done work on other mm -hmm. school initiatives, uh, including Alignment Peoria, mm -hmm. uh, I'd like to know where you think the city needs to be working more closely with not only Peoria Public Schools, mm -hmm. but with, with Dunlap Schools, with Limestone Schools, mm -hmm. with, with all of the, the other districts that are, are incorporated mm -hmm. into, into Peoria. Certainly workforce development, you, you've talked about yes. it, and those skills. But where else does, does the city need to have more connectivity? There? Sure. I think the city should you know, look at those um, schools that serve the, the citizens mm -hmm. of Peoria. And we know it's not just Peoria Public Schools. It's also Dunlap, you know, schools, uh, especially if you live in the north part of Peoria. Dunlap mm -hmm. is a major 
player in terms of education. So I think um, we have to increase the partnership between the, the school system and the city. That goes back to addressing issues of equity. Um, and I would like to see, again, us model that initiative that King County, Washington is doing. Mm -hmm. It's they have a collaborative uh, partnership with their schools where the city employees and the school district employees work hand-in-hand -hand to address issues of equity within their county. I think we can make a difference in Peoria in addressing skill shortages in terms of um, preparing people. There's a lot of jobs that we have unfilled right here in Peoria now. If we, if we can build a strong workforce, a strong, skilled workforce, not only will we um, increase the um, economic viability of our city, we'll also reduce crime, we'll address other health issues. A lot of people have dead-end jobs with no health insurance. Many people are working three jobs, believe it or not. They don't have time to spend with their children, and they're still, they still don't make a living wage. Many times it's because they don't have a credential that leads to a job that pays a, a family-sustaining wage. So we can make a difference if we work hand-in-hand -hand with our education partners, uh, not just in uh, secondary, um, but also in post-secondary education. Mm -hmm. Okay. Voters have a choice to make when they early vote or when they go to the voting booth February 26. They got another one to make April 2nd. Why you instead of the, the 13 other candidates who want this job? Well, I think that I bring, um, I bring experience and bold experience to the table. I've worked in executive leadership for a long time in Peoria for some very strong organizations that I've helped to build or strengthen. I've created uh, jobs, uh, especially within the IT area and healthcare industry within Peoria. I know how to bring external resources to the table. I think we're in somewhat of a crisis situation uh, with our city government. If you were on an airplane and a crisis occurs and you're about to drive through a terrible storm, who do you want in the pilot seat? I would say you want somebody who's been through it before, who has helped to overcome those problems and to get you to a safe position. I'm saying I'm that experienced champion for Peoria that can help Peoria to move forward and to produce positive results. All right. Rita Ali, thank you very much for coming in, and thank good luck much. to you. Thank you very much. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.